Welcome to the All In Remote Podcast, where we believe that companies can unlock their potential, build healthy resilience, and succeed in an increasingly volatile world. We'll explore the new challenges of leadership, best practices for developing culture and trust, and the innovative tools that help make it possible. Here's your host, Kendra Kinnison. There's all sorts of opinions on remote work. And today we wanted to explore the firsthand perspective. Team members that thrived in a traditional office and are now adapting to a remote environment. For today's episode, we welcome three Allocations team members, Stephanie, JT, and Chloe. Thank you all so much for being here. I know this is going to be an insightful conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I did. <laughs> all right, JT. So you've shared before that you've labeled yourself a air quotes, in-person kind of person. So has there been an aspect of remote work that's been surprisingly challenging to you? Yeah, and thank you for having me, Kendra. I think the kind of more spontaneous interactions that I would typically have in an in-person work environment has been something that I found myself missing to a certain extent with the remote environment, which is maybe a little bit of a surprise and had to get a little bit creative to kind of create those similar kind of situations, maybe a little bit more structured in the remote work environment where now I'll have just like kind of a strategy of setting up recurring, maybe weekly, just check-ins with some teammates or even if they're not specifically on my team, but I know them through the company just to check in and say hi and have almost an excuse and some time on their calendar that I know that they're going to be available just to say hi, catch up on some things. If there's work-related things to catch up on, great. If not, then you can kind of just keep it casual and just kind of see how things are going in the day. So I think that was kind of a bigger surprise and challenge that I've faced so far, but kind of working through it. Got it. So really, it's the spontaneous stuff that we're missing. and We have to plan a little bit more ahead. Chloe, you're nodding. Is that... Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think spontaneous is a really good word to use because you definitely have to be intentional about interacting with everyone instead of it just kind of happening and passing. It's definitely a similar experience. No, actually, I guess I'm the one that's out. (laughs) I definitely did not enjoy the spontaneousness of people just dropping by the office. You know, I worked in what was called a cubicle farm. So it was basically an open cubicle format. So I was on the phone and I'd constantly hear other people's conversations and people would stop by my desk. It was always when you were doing something that really needed focus that people would stop by your desk. And I found myself getting frustrated sometimes. So when I'm in deep thought and I need to focus on something, I thrive better with you know a little bit more structure and quietness. And I think that that's where I do my best work. Okay, so the buffer of remote has maybe been helpful in that situation that you all, you do have a little bit more direct control over your environment. Absolutely. Interesting. Chloe, any other big differences that you've noticed between kind of an office and what we're doing now? I mean, obviously those work interactions are different. Like I said, not being able to just, you know, walk over to someone's desk and ask them a question. But I think too, just like work relationships are different. So I feel like I've had to just be intentional in my personal life, not just in work, to be involved like in my community, getting to know other people. You know, historically I've worked where I lived. So you get to know people around you and 
get to dig into your community through your work environment. And I definitely have to also be more intentional in my personal life and getting to know people around me and staying involved with the community, not just through work. Oh, that's a great point. Because as you say, sometimes work can be our entry point Mm -hmm. into our in-person communities. And so if we take that away, we've got to find another way to make those connections. Stephanie, is that resonating with you too? No, (laughs) I definitely was a person. Part of my past job was really connecting with people because I was amazing in sales. And so I'd have to go out and really be in the community and interact with people on a professional level outside of work. I'm on a couple of boards, you know, I'm in a sorority. I hang out with my family and I just feel like outside of work, I really have always been intentional about setting those expectations with myself as far as, you know, making sure that I'm not just staying in the bubble of Stephanie. And so I don't really rely so much on that. I understand that remote work, you definitely have to be a lot more intentional. I don't rely on it. I do find myself during the day, if I see someone that I haven't interacted with in a while, maybe it's JT, I'll say, hey, you know, just stop and say hi. He may be busy, but it's just nice to just touch base with people and just let them know, hey, I see you. I can't physically like give you a hug or anything, but I do see you. So how do you make that connection? I'm curious. How do you reach out? I think like last week I was doing something. I think I was reconciling one of the wires and somebody messaged me on Slack to ask me to like request something. And I completed that for them. I think it was Rachel. And then Katara and I kind of worked the same kind of hours. And so I messaged her and we got on a huddle and we just ended up talking about not work, but just, you know, our outside work. Like, hey, I'm doing this. Her fiance is a pilot and my husband's on the road. So we kind of we're relating to each other in that way. And, you know, now I know a little bit about her. She's not next to me, but I can relate to her. And I feel like that's part of being intentional about growing that relationship. And just, you know, it's easy for me to just sit here, do my work and then log off. But it's important to build the relationship in the way that we are right now. So I definitely try to use the huddle as a way to connect. Great point. So JT, that sounds like your spontaneity approach there, maybe tagging on to a work conversation to get to know somebody on a different level. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's interesting kind of listening through what Steph and Chloe were saying, kind of like these two parallels in the real world of like in-person interaction in an office and then in the more digital and like Slack and email and Zoom world where you know you have like a break room or a lunchroom or something in an office. So if someone was in there, chances are they weren't busy with something. So you wouldn't feel as bad going and starting to talk to them about something that maybe didn't pertain to work or interrupting them or something like that. And I think in the beginning, I had the same worry about maybe messaging somebody on Slack, like, oh, maybe I'm going to interrupt their flow and disrupt them. I know there's a lot of kind of research out there on switching costs between tasks. Like if you disrupt somebody's train of thought, you may kind of mess up the rest of their day or something like that. And I think, Stephanie, what you were saying in a cubicle setting, you could have someone disrupt your flow kind of anytime you want. But it's actually an interesting ability to set your own boundaries through something like Slack notifications and turning them off and on where you can, I mean, it's not like in a cubicle, you can like draw a curtain or something like that, but <laughs> you can almost draw a sort of digital curtain with notifications and emails and getting pinged on, on different messaging platforms so that you really have that dedicated focus time, which I think is pretty cool, actually. So you've pioneered, I think, some tricks on your phone, right? Yeah. We'll have to link to that, but give us kind of an overview of what you've done. I like that digital curtain analogy. Yeah. So uh, credit words to Sebastian taught me this one, but on the iPhone, you're able to switch and kind of flip through your pages on the home screen. And 
when you hold down on an icon and then they kind of start wobbling around and you're able to like move them around or close them out, you can actually do that with entire pages. So you can turn off and on entire pages. So you can move all of your work-related app icons onto one page. And then once the weekend hits, you basically hide that page so that you won't see those work apps when you don't want to. And then when Monday rolls back around, put it back up there and then kind of get back on the grid. But it's been a nice little trick to kind of mentally, once you remove it, you don't really think about it in the back of your mind. But if it is there, and like I always have the nervous habit of flipping through all of my icons and my whole phone like multiple times a day. So if it's just not there, then you won't kind of be triggered to log back into Slack or to your email. Interesting. I'm always curious about the adaptations we make, you know, to kind of work within our strengths and thrive. Chloe, have you made any adjustments in your workflow to kind of navigate yourself? Yeah, I actually was going to say that's such a good segue into something that I wanted to say. First of all, that's so cool. I didn't know you could do that. But I obviously, like many people, this is my first truly remote position, but I did spend some time working at home over the last two years. And before I was committed to being in a fully remote position, I was kind of just at the kitchen table, like in a super temporary spot in the house. But since coming on board and being fully remote, I've actually made the intentional decision to create an office space. So really going in the room I'm in now and really coming in here and being able to shut the door and have my work items in here and then walk out and shut the door at the end of the day really kind of replaces that commute, which I am a weirdo, I guess, in this sense, but I miss my commute. I like the commute to kind of get ready for the day and then decompress at the end of the day. So having all my work items in a separate space has helped me to replace that commute. So you still kind of have an end of day ritual. As you said, shut it off and close the door. Steph, do you have anything you do to kind of gear up for the start of the day and wrap up at the end? Yeah, I spend a lot of time. Well, I meditate first thing when I wake up because in the morning, I'm not a morning person. I'm pretty useless in the morning. So I have to jumpstart my day by doing something that's just focusing. And so I meditate. I use this app called Calm. And so it's just really before my son even wakes up, I just use that time to just really get centered and focus on the day. And, you know, especially if it's a busy day, if I know I'm going to be running around and I'm going to have to use a lot of energy, I definitely make sure that that's like the first thing I do in the morning. And I'm intentional with spending time with my son. He does go to school in the morning. So I'll just use that time to you know, have breakfast with him, talk to him and just, you know, that may be the only time I have for the whole rest of the day with him. So it's really important for me to do that. And when I don't have that, I just feel like I'm kind of missing out on that time with him. Also, I have to set boundaries as well. I know GT was talking about this and Chloe, my office space is in my bedroom. So your bedroom is where you sleep. It's your domain. It's where, you know, so when I had to bring that into my bedroom, it was very hard to switch off at night trying to go to sleep because this sounds really creepy, but I would like stare at my computer screen in the corner because you're thinking about work when you know that space is, you know, always been known to just be your space to sleep. So I've been really having to make sure I log off of my computer. There's no lights on. It's just completely pitch dark. And it took a little while in the beginning, but I think that I'm getting there. Oh, great point. Yeah. So that intentional shut down and turn off any options for it to flash at us or ping us. Great point. What about schedules? Do you find that you're working roughly the same schedule? You know, Steph talked about hers, but JT and Chloe, how has your schedule changed between kind of a traditional work setup and now? Yeah, I would say generally the schedule hasn't changed too much. Usually try to keep it between 
you know, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then if there's kind of the task list is done, be able to wrap up. But I think what happens in a remote environment, which is a benefit, is that at previous jobs, I would have managers that would really love to stay late. And if it was a somewhat collaborative project, and even if I wasn't actively working on them with it in the moment, kind of have this in the back of my head, like, oh, I should really hang around just in case something comes up and end up staying way too late kind of for no reason, but felt like, oh, I'm getting the FaceTime, so that's worth it. Whereas in the remote environment, you know, if someone, for instance, if a manager does have something that comes up, then a Slack message will come through. And if I happen to be working as well at that time, then just kind of be able to respond in real time and be helpful then. And then even if it's like a couple hours later to respond, I think that expectation of staying late kind of past the outside hours is a little bit easier to navigate in a digital world. Whereas if you're there in person, you kind of get roped into sticking around until like the top person in the office departs for the day. Oh, wow. That doesn't sound fun at all. (laughs) Chloe, you're not... I totally agree. Okay. I have had a similar experience. It's funny that you said that because I had not thought about that until now, but... I also work pretty similar hours to what I was working before, but I agree in my last in-person position, it seemed like my boss and I were always on opposite schedules of when she was really ready to grind out a long day and get something done and when I was. So now I agree if there's something that needs to be done, the expectation is a little bit more reasonable. And if I really burn out for the day, the expectation is just different. So do you feel comfortable kind of setting those boundaries with each of your teams or your managers? Or is there a similar pressure in remote work or not so much? The kind of working late dynamic, do you still feel that pressure? I think it's the FaceTime thing that JT mentioned is what created the pressure when you're in office setting. But when you're remote, it's just to actually get the task done instead of just be there for the FaceTime. Oh, wow. So you're really just freed up to not even have to think about that at all. Yeah, I would also say that, you know, and allocations is amazing in the fact that we have teammates from around the world and on different time zones. So there are kind of baked in courtesies and expectations that someone's not going to be up at what is 2am for them. So you kind of build into your own workflows, a little bit more of an asynchronous approach to getting things done. And if one of the members of my team has a question, and they send a message, that's maybe late at night for me, like, I don't actually feel the pressure to log in and respond that moment, but I will be up earlier than them based on the time zone difference and be able to answer it when I first log in. So I think that kind of releases the pressure a little bit to feel like you need to always be on because if you have this kind of understood based on your time zone or place or just the general preferences for when you like to work, then they'll kind of know when to expect to hear back from you. So I think it's more of like a consistency in your own schedule. It kind of sets those expectations for other people. You know, that's the theme I think I'm hearing from all of you is that that sense of personal empowerment that you have to take the responsibility and be intentional. But if you do, it sounds like there's some pretty strong benefits on the other side. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's so different because when I was working in my previous job, I was working eight to five and I'm not a morning person at all. So, and I live in Buffalo where it snows. My commute was 45 minutes and on a really snowy day, it turned into an hour and a half. And so you're getting out of work at five o'clock and then you're ending up home super late and you know you don't get to spend that time with your family that you want. And so it takes an emotional toll on you. And so I just really wanted something that was just a little bit more my schedule and that kind of fit with my family. And so I work 12 to eight now. So it's perfect because my team Eastern time is usually signing off late at night. 
And so if I have any questions or something comes up, I can just write in our channel and say, hey, this came up. Maybe when you sign on, you want to look at this. And so we're in constant communication, even though we're all on different time zones. So I agree that when you're in the office, that pressure to stay late is always there. But I think in this remote environment, to me, I feel like I've been the most productive in my whole career because there's that ability to just be focused on the work and not so much on the perception of you working. Great point. And it sounds like you've been able to really customize your work hours to fit your family flow and your own just personal preferences. Yeah. If I can kind of speak on the commute aspect of it, because I've actually had a bunch of different commutes over the years. And I think it's some of them were great. It was actually for a while I was able to walk to my office. I was living close enough to walk. And I loved that commute because it kind of baked in the exercise and some time to listen to some music or some podcasts on the way in. And so that was great. But then when I had a driving commute, I did not like that at all because it would kind of stress me out. Like people with rush hour and I feel like the road rage, people will kind of come out every now and again and would just kind of put me in a bad mood before I even started the day, really. So I think, you know, compared to a driving commute, having none at all is amazing. But then actually, and we talked about this on one of our team meetings earlier, of kind of building in your own remote commute if you want to go for a walk around the block to kind of get that mental reset and mentally prepare yourself and give yourself some kind of personal time. Yeah, it's like another commute I would have was either riding the metro or riding a public transportation bus. And those are actually kind of nice too, because you could like sit there and read a book and still have that feeling of movement like toward an office and that strong differentiator from when you were leaving. But yeah, being in the remote environment, not having to deal with it at all is nice because it gives you the option to, if you want to build in like a walking commute, you can kind of do that for yourself. And then also the money you save and the carbon footprint reduction of not burning gasoline to get to an office just kind of feels nice. So got to be a little more creative, but it's there for us if we claim it. So Chloe, I'm curious, Steph mentioned the Calm app and JT, the idea of kind of walking around the block. Are there any rituals or mindfulness techniques that you really enjoy? Yeah. So I actually am a group fitness instructor. And so I do a lot of yoga and I teach group fitness classes. And I was always interested in group fitness, but then when I knew that I was going to be transitioning to be fully remote, I took up the certification and became an instructor. And I knew that it would serve many purposes. It would get me out of the house. It would satisfy that desire for the community aspect. And then it also would help me physically and mentally to just be mindful, be able to clear my head at the end of the day. So that serves many purposes for me. So that's something that I definitely infused into my remote work life. Wow. That's a great example. Like you said, it really served all of those different benefits. Good choice. All right. Well, I think we've got some questions from some of our teammates in the live Q&A. So we'll pause for a minute and see any questions come through. Maybe while we're waiting, I can bring up, Kendra, you kind of mentioned that creativity is maybe necessary to kind of build some things in that we may or may not have missed from previous work setups. And I think that's actually kind of like the most challenging and exciting part about the freedom that remote gives you is kind of challenges you to be creative with the type of schedule or structure or like even approach to life that you want to have. I'm currently single and don't have a family to take care of. So it kind of opens me up even more. And so this idea of like maybe being able to be a little bit digitally nomadic and visit family and friends in other areas, as long as they have a strong 
Wi-Fi signal and I'm able to get some quiet space there, then you really can kind of work from anywhere you want, which is in one way, like almost intimidating. It's like opens up this infinite amount of possibilities, but in the other way, it's completely, it's like free and exciting to say, Hey, like if I want to build something, maybe build a week where I go down to visit my sister who lives down in Maryland and stay with her for a week and connect with my nephews. And I can do that because I work fully remotely and am able to not be location dependent based on work. Great point. Mm -hmm. All right. Emma's got a great question. We're going to bring Emma to the stage. Hey, guys. Emma. Hi, Emma. Hi. This has been great. Super helpful to hear your perspectives. And I've had very similar experiences with this being my first fully remote job. So I'm curious to hear, I know Allocations has provided a lot of resources to us to help with that transition, but which ones you guys have found the most helpful or most beneficial? and kind of getting comfortable and getting used to this fully remote world we're working in? Maybe I could start. So I think there's like two different layers to the support that Allocations gives for remote work. The first one just kind of being the perspective and just the support and encouragement to take advantage of the remote lifestyle, just seeing other people embrace it and really be able to build lives that work for them around it, be able to take care of their families and have hobbies that maybe otherwise wouldn't have been possible with a location dependent place. I think just like the general attitude toward embracing remote work has been really strong here, which is really cool. And then on the more like tangible physical, we have that work from home budget, which is really cool. And we can kind of go out to buy whatever types of either it's like desks or seating or monitors and things like that, kind of be able to creatively pick what you think will work best for you. It's not like just a list of like standard things that are getting mailed out. I think that was pretty cool. I got inspired by Lindsay, who we sit on like these kind of exercise ball, fitness orb things to kind of keep your core engaged during the workout or is not like sitting in a traditional seat, which is the first time I've done that. I saw some other folks on the team doing it too. And actually, I really like it. I think it's helped like back pain issues and things like that. And I have a standing desk or it's actually like a hybrid, like a motorized one that goes up and down. So usually about half the day, I'll start out standing. And then when I'm getting tired toward the afternoon, I'll go to the sitting. So I think that it's been cool to have a budget to go and buy those things that make it more comfortable to work in a home office. I think for me, the biggest thing is just the culture, like how friendly and welcoming everyone is. I was really anticipating what the onboarding process would be like and what joining an all remote team would be like. But without sounding too corny, everyone just welcomed me with open arms and was super super receptive to me joining the team and everyone is so friendly. And I honestly feel like I already know this team better than teams I've worked with in person because everyone is so purposeful about their interactions. So honestly, I think the biggest thing for me is much less tangible, but just the good culture. I agree with everything the both of them said. I love that allocations allows you to, well, allows me to dive more into my wellness. So like with meditation and massages and I feel like I've been getting a lot better sleep because I'm productive. I don't have to worry about getting some time in and maybe leaving the office and getting a massage and not worrying about, okay, am I the only person that's on the team? Are people waiting on me? Are people depending on me? Because most times in the office, if you're one person that's doing one job, you don't want to leave because then your team is depending on you. Whereas on my team, there's many people who know how to do different functions. So you are able to take that time out. So I think that Allocations has done a great job supporting our well-being and our opportunity to just take a break along with the unlimited PTOs. You don't have to use a certain amount of time during the year. So I think that really 
promotes me to want to do a greater job because I know that if there's any roadblocks, I have the tools that I need to get through. Great points. Great question, Emma. I see another one from Emily. Come on up. I really appreciated what you shared so far. And just kind of going along with Emma's question in the wellness, I'm curious as to whether you classify yourself as like an introvert or an extrovert. Because we're all remote and we are doing these, we're on Zoom meetings all day. Do you find that your energy is drained from all of the participation or do you find it energizing? And if you do find it draining, how do you recover? What are the steps that you take to prevent like losing the energy and just like the vigor for work? So I'm definitely an extrovert. I think most people (laughs) can kind of gauge that. And I feel like this is the first job that I've ever had where I can feel like I can honestly be myself. Sometimes extroverts can seem a little much, (laughs) can seem like a lot. And I definitely take that into consideration. Like last week, it was a great session that we all had, but sometimes I do get Zoom fatigue and that I have to come up with some kind of strategy in order to make sure that I'm not walking away from myself physically and making that affects my job. So what I'll do is I'll take a walk. I'll walk to my mailbox, which is probably half a mile down the street, or I will go on the balcony and read a book or a podcast, or I'll call my husband and check in on him. Just something that's not work-related to make sure that I'm just taking my mind off of it for a second, because I think that sometimes you can get emotionally drained and just days where there's just like a back-to-back meetings, maybe the next day that you come in, if there's some free time, maybe make like a blocked off time where you're not going to do anything for an hour and just maybe watch a TV show or take a walk and being intentional of creating time for yourself when there's a lot of craziness during the day. So I think as far as getting emotionally drained, you just have to make sure that you're tuned in with yourself because it's very easy in remote work where we're doing a lot of camera work to lose that and to just lose sight of that. I definitely agree. I'm an extreme extrovert, maybe borderline intense sometimes. So in-person meetings were never something for me that I felt were draining, but Zoom, I do feel I get Zoom fatigue. So again, just making sure I'm doing things that get me away from the computer screen. I have a tendency to eat lunch in front of my computer and I have to be very intentional about not doing that and going into the other room and just getting my face away from the computer screen a little bit during the day just to break up the day. Yeah, I would say that I'm kind of like right in between introvert and extrovert. Whenever I take those personality tests, it like shows a percentage, I think like 51, 49, depending on the day. So the remote environment and Zoom fatigue, I think it affects introverts and extroverts alike, just because it's a different way of interacting as a human being. There's a lot of kind of body language things that may or may not get picked up on, especially in a group when you have a lot of different faces that you need to look at all at once. One of the tricks that we've kind of shared amongst the team here is turning off the self view on Zoom. It's kind of like that mirror effect where you're always going to like, oh, look, it's me. Like I'm always going to be looking at myself. And ever since I've turned that one off, the Zoom fatigue has decreased a lot. Like it's been very helpful to not have the self view on just makes it easier to engage with the people that you're speaking with on the Zoom. And then for some reason, just like doesn't feel as tiring at the end of the session. Great. Thanks so much for sharing. Great tips. I think Oli is next up with another good question. Hi, Olia. Hi. How's it going? Good. Thank you. This is so insightful. I really appreciate learning everyone's perspective. Definitely the high the self-view is a huge help on Zoom fatigue. One of my questions is, what are the, some of the remote team building activities that you've enjoyed that you've participated so far? escape room. (laughs) That was definitely like 
it was amazing just being able to just work on our strengths of each other. You know, we were all, there were times where I was quiet and I'd listen to Jessica on my team and she'd have a great idea and that was the answer. And, you know, there'd be another question from Rick and that would be the answer. And just really working together just came natural. And it was very surprising because we're in a remote environment and that kind of activity, you're in person. It's really meant to be hands-on. And so I was really surprised that we were able to get through. I mean, maybe not the fastest team, but we were able to get through together even being remote. And I even told my husband, I'm like, this is something we really have to do. And I just got to know a lot of the strengths of team members who aren't even on my direct team. So thank you for that. (laughs) And so explain for listeners at home that maybe not know. So it actually was like an escape game that typically, you know, they're in person and you're in a room and there's different puzzles and kind of clues that you figure out. And actually the company that Allocations used to provide this experience for the team, there's someone physically in a room somewhere, but they're linked up through like a webcam and then kind of guide them and instruct them through. And they're kind of opening the doors and putting the keys in the locks and things like that. And going into it, honestly, I was skeptical. I was like, how is this going to be fun? But it really was. (laughs) And you felt like just as much exhilaration and the ability to kind of problem solve with your team was still totally there. So yeah, the escape game exercise that we did was really fun. Also, another kind of set of team building activities that we did previously, one of them was more of like a Pictionary type of game where you're kind of collaboratively drawing something and then the other team has to guess. And it's it's just kind of funny to see those things kind of come together through a screen and be able to kind of crack jokes with your teammates while you're doing them. Yeah, something, again, I was a little bit skeptical coming into something like that as well. Like, oh, is this really going to be beneficial or is this going to kind of work in a digital way to bring a team together to bond, but really did had a great time, got to meet and get to know a little bit more personally people on different teams within the organization. So that was really fun. We also just did a digital Pictionary on my immediate team last week. And it was so funny to see the different approaches to the Pictionary. Like some of the team members were extremely like analytical about it, black and white only, just trying to get the picture done. And then other team members were trying to be super creative. So it was really funny to kind of see their personalities reflected and how they approach the digital Pictionary. So I missed out on the escape room. I love them in person. So you guys have convinced me I need to try a virtual one as well. That sounds a lot of fun. All right. Lisa's got another great question. There we go. Hi, guys. Hi, Lisa. Hi, this was great. And yeah, I didn't know how they'd pull off the escape room, but I'm addicted now. I love it. But my question is, do you think you can fully disconnect at the end of the day or during lunch or during a break from the computer screen or from your phone screen? And if you can or can't, what helps you do it? Like, what are some methods to disconnect? So I would say it depends on a lot on like kind of the pending items that me and my team have when I disconnect. So my goal for the end of every day or before I go on a break or a vacation is to kind of regroup with my team and kind of any of these open loops that I'll have, just making sure that even if they can't be closed before I leave, that at least somebody else on the team is aware that they exist so that I'm not thinking in the back of my mind, like, oh, I'm the only one that knows that this thing is out there pending. And maybe it's going to kind of ruin someone's day once it like resurfaces in another way. So I think just being on the same page with my team and with our clients, just knowing like, hey, we have a break coming up, or I'm going to be out of office on vacation soon. If anything comes up, you know, we have a team here to support you just to make sure that they know that they're still able to be supported while I'm gone. 
kind of gives me the peace of mind to forget as much as I can about work while I'm on that break. Awesome. Thank you. I think you can. It took me a while to get there. I'm sure my banking coordinator, Lydia, can attest to this, but there would be times where I would be working late and I'd be signing on early because I just, we'd have some tasks that still needs to get done or there was still some wires that were still out I mean, around eight o'clock. And I just, I wanted to get it done, tie it up with a bow and just be done. And, you know, after a while, I just had to realize that if it's not something that just something's on fire and it needs to get done right the second that maybe tag one of your teammates who are coming on the next day and maybe they can continue with it. So I've been giving myself more of like a hard stop, like, okay, 10, 15 minutes after is fine. But anything more than that, you're kind of pushing it a little bit. So I think that it's having my son is really more of a motivator because he starts to get around the time where I'm signing off like, hey, you know, you haven't given me any attention and he'll come find me. And I think it's just a routine that we've started to just check in with myself. And so I think that, like I said, just checking in with myself at the end of the night and just saying, okay, this is okay to just leave till tomorrow. And doing that consistently has helped me just kind of have a reset for the day. Yeah, I think it was something I had to learn in my personal career to be really diligent about. My first position out of undergrad, the position I was in, there was really no rules for what work-life balance was supposed to look like. And I found myself burning out really quickly. So I kind of took that lesson of the instant gratification of getting something done and you know staying a couple hours and finishing something up. It feels good in the moment, but in the long run, I know that it's not healthy for me because I know that I'm going to burn out. So just really setting up those firm boundaries in my own career and my personal work life has made me avoid that burnout. So it really is better in the long term. And I think that the whole team and allocations really just doesn't even set a standard for letting us get to that point anyway. So I think that I just feel really supported in being able to take care of myself in that way. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you all. Great, great questions and great answers. I learned so much just hearing your perspectives. I've done a lot of things remote, but this is really the first time I'd ever been a part of a remote company. So learning the tools alongside all of us. Well, thank you for sharing your perspectives and your insights. I know this is really valuable and And we'll do lots more episodes with different groups of team members, but you guys have started a new trend. So thank you very much. Thank you, Kendra, for the opportunity. Yeah, thanks for having us. us.